Uh, I want to talk to you this morning, uh, not too long, but I want to talk to you about the positive side of impossibility. You're going to need, I believe, oh, I'm on, that's good. You're going to need a piece of paper and a, and a pen or pencil. You can write in just a few moments. You're going to need that, so I want to go ahead and, and get you started. So you will, uh, so you'll have that when time comes. But I want to talk to you about living on the positive side of impossibility. Have you ever, um, have you ever experienced an impossible situation in your life? There was a, a man that was had his metal detector, and he was going along the beach and trying to find a. Um, you know, something that, you know, like coins and different things, and, and it started beeping, so he started digging a little bit, and came up with this, this old lamp, and it was all, it had sand on it and stuff, so he started brushing the sand off, and a genie popped out. You can tell it's fictional now, can't you? Uh, so this genie popped out, and he says, wow, you let me out, I'm going to give you one wish, and he said, well, I thought I was supposed to get three wishes. He said, no, that's fairy tales in real life, I'm only going to give you one. So make it count. So, so the guy thought for a while, and he says, you know what? I love Hawaii. I think it's one of the most amazing places in the world, but I really don't like flying. So could you build me a bridge from Los Angeles to Hawaii? And the genie looked at him and said, man, that is big. That's huge. He said, isn't there something easier, like a million dollars or something like that, that I could just conjure up for you? So the man thought for a little while, and he said, you know, I love my wife. She's the greatest. She is the greatest joy in my life. I would do anything for her. I would die for her. He said, but there is one thing. He says, I would really like to understand how my wife thinks. And the genie looked at him and says, do you want two or four lanes? Men find that humorous. <laughs> the dictionary defines impossible as incapable of being or occurring. It can't happen. It's impossible. Now, I do want you to understand that true impossibility is not subjective, but absolute. Because there are some things that are just impossible for some, but not impossible for others. If you, want, if you wanted me to go over to the gym and dunk the basketball without the aid of a trampoline, it's not going to happen. In fact, the only reason I didn't make the NBA was just for two reasons, lack of talent and ability. Other than that, I was in. But it, true, true impossibility is not subjective. It's absolute. There are some things in life that are just impossible for us. But here is a Christian truth that I want you to lodge in your mind, but I want it to seep down 18 inches into your heart. Because having a cerebral understanding of this truth is only part of the equation. When you get it in your heart, when you know that you know that you know on the inside, that's when it will transform you. And here's the Christian truth. We must realize that nothing is impossible with God. Jesus, in Matthew 19, 26, when he was talking about who can be saved, and he said it's easier for a rich man to go through the eye of a needle 
than, than uh, you know, and, and to get into heaven. And he said, well, in the, in the, his followers, his disciples said, well, wow, it, can anybody be saved? And Jesus said this. He said, Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. All things are possible with God. What is impossible for us is made possible with God. If God is for us, who can be against us? See, God can't fail, He can't falter, and He cannot fall. God is always and will always be. Nations may fall, but God will stand forever. Kingdoms will come and go, but God is eternal. Man cannot save, but God is a Savior. God can do anything. And in order to live on the positive side of impossibility, we have to step out and trust what God has said. If you don't believe God, how can you trust Him to fix impossible situations? See, following the status quo won't get it done. Following the status quo will not turn your impossible situation into a reality. What is it said? Uh, the definition of insanity is keeping doing the same thing and expecting different results. Living in our own power, living on our own ingenuity can't achieve the impossible. The only way that we can see the impossible things in our life turn out to be positive is, is we allow ourselves to align with God's ways and we attempt God's plan for us. When we attempt God's plan, that's when the impossible becomes a reality. Because Noah built an ark when it had never rained. Gideon used lanterns and voices to defeat an army. Israel marched around the walls of Jericho and brought the walls down. Impossible situations for man, but with God... All things are possible. See, all of these things looked foolish to man, but gave victory to those that acted on God's word. The Bible tells us that, that the preaching of, of the cross is foolishness to some. But to those that have received it, it's the power of God. For, for those of us that know that giving our life to Jesus Christ and having our, our, our sinful nature subdued and having the sin in our life washed away and delivered, and we're delivered from, man, that is a great blessing. And it is something that you know, that you feel, that you understand, that you comprehend, that you grasp, not only with your mind, but your very being, that the creator of the heavens and the earth has pardoned you. Man, that's something that you cannot walk away from. But it's only to those that have decided to do God's plan. See, many, many times the things that God wants us to do kind of look foolish. But when we act on what God asked us to do, that's when victory comes. So let me ask you, do you have an ark that needs to be built? Do you have a lantern that you need to, to hold up and shout? 
to defeat the enemy around you? Do you have any walls that need to come down? I would like, I would like for us today, if you would, just take out a piece of paper and a pen, pencil. You can use those little blue cards in front of you. You can use whatever you want. Here's what I would like you to do. I know it's customary toward the end of the year to, to do these New Year's resolutions. It's like, hey, this is, a, this is what I want to do throughout the year. Not asking you to do that. Because all my New Year's resolutions are, they never make it. But do you have an impossible situation in your life? Something that you know you can't achieve on your own, but you have a desire for God to meet that need. Perhaps it's something in your own life. Perhaps it's something that for someone else. But do you have something in your life that you're saying, without God's help, this is not going to be able to be a reality? And here's what I want you to do. I want you to write it down, and I want you to put today's date, 12 30 write, write down, this is for you. This is, you're going to keep this. You're not going to turn it into me. There's not going to be a grade on it. There's no pass or fail. But I want you to be able to look back. And, I, and I, I've done this in my life for the last several years, and it's, it's amazing how you write down all the things that... that you believe God is speaking to you, and, and then you look back a few months or even a year or two later, and you see how God has worked everything out. It's incredible, and it builds faith. And so I want, I want you to, to look at something in, uh, in your life, something that, because we all of us have something in our life, whether it's with us or with our family, with our friends, with our children, with our parents, whatever it may be, a, a situation that you cannot achieve on your own, that for you it's impossible, that you need God to intervene. I want you to write that down. And as you're writing it down, I want you to understand that uh, in the passage of Scripture that, that was read to you this morning, and I, we're going to get to that in just a little while, but Hebrews 11 is filled with examples of those that saw the impossible become reality. Noah, Abraham, Gideon, Rahab, Enoch, and the list goes on and on and on and on. Men and women that, ha that stepped out and did what God asked them to do, no matter how foolish it looked or no, no matter how embarrassing it may have been to them, they acted on what God said because they trusted in God and God brought the impossible to reality. I was just thinking about Naaman that didn't want to go dip himself in the Jordan River. Something simple, something easy, something that he could achieve, but he could not achieve healing on his own. But when the prophet said, go dip yourself seven times in the Jordan River and, you, and you'll have what you can't achieve on your own, he almost didn't do it because it was too foolish in his own mind. His ego was getting in the way of his victory. Can I encourage you today? And I don't even know why I'm saying this. Don't allow your ego to defeat you before you ever get started. Sometimes, some of the things that God asks us to do, number one, they're always things that you can do. Sometimes they make us look silly. Sometimes they make us look foolish. But the reality is, on the other side, when you have victory, it doesn't matter how foolish it may have 
felt then, when you have what you were wanting, when you have the impossible as a possession, man, there's nothing that can replace that. So don't allow, don't allow what other people might think or feel or do or say to interfere with what God is wanting you to do. Hebrews, Hebrews 11 is filled in with those that, that stepped out and did what God asked them to do. Then here's the truth, and I, if you, I want you to remember this, and I know I'm doing a little more speaking than, than preaching. I hope you don't mind that. But God gives us great opportunities that are brilliantly disguised as impossible situations. I'm going to say that again. God will give you and I, all of us, great opportunities in our life to grow in him and to see the glory of God shine in our lives, but they're always disguised as impossible situations. See, because God's plan for you never includes failure. Failure is not an option to God's people. Each of us have these opportunities in our life to find solutions to the seemingly impossible. You may not know how to fix it. You may not know how to overcome it. You may not know how to deliver, but God does. And when we put our faith, hope, and trust in Him and just act on His Word and act on what He is speaking to us in our own life, amazing things happen. I, years ago, I was praying for a lady that, that worked with me. And she was in the accounting uh, area. And every once in a while, I'd go back and, and just talk with her. She was about my mom's age. And I knew that she hadn't gone to church in many, many, many years. And, and I kept trying to bring up church, and nothing would happen. And, and so... The, I was just walking by her office one day, and the Lord said, just go in and sit down. You ever hear the voice of the Lord? Just, and it was something I could do, and I thought, well, well Lord, I'm, I'm really kind of busy, but, but I just walked in and sat down. And when I walked in and sat down, the presence of God flooded her office, and we both began to weep and cry under the presence of God. And it was that Sunday that she went to church with me. And she recommitted her life to the Lord. And, and to this day, she's still going to church. I didn't do anything, but was just obedient to the Lord. It's those things that, that, that we can't achieve, no matter how much we pray, no matter how much we try. But when we are obedient, God gives us these great opportunities. And it looks like it's an impossible situation that that person is never going to crack. That person's never going to give their life to the Lord. That person is never going to turn around. And yet, one small act on your part, and the glory of God floods their heart, and you see them transformed. And, and the list goes on and on and on of not only people, but events and situations that God takes that are upside down and he turns them right side up just by acting on what he has asked us to do. So I want to encourage you, look for the opportunities for God to work. Look for the impossible situations in your life. Look for those, those circumstances in your life that, that seem like they're just overwhelming and that in spite of setbacks and failures and criticism, you go on. 
Thomas Edison continued to work in spite of all of those things, and thank God he did because now we have lights. Joseph didn't, didn't know what to see, his dream fulfilled, and yet and there was a long journey ahead of Joseph. Joseph had the dream. Joseph knew that his brothers and his father would bow down to him. And, and Joseph didn't understand that from the time he received his dream to the time that he became a ruler, that, that God took the impossible and made it a reality through the journey that, that Joseph had to go through. Perhaps today you're on a journey from what God has spoken to your heart to where you're going to be. And it seems like you'll, you'll never achieve, I'm speaking to somebody today, that you will never achieve where you're wanting to go. But can I encourage you today to hang on to where you are because you're walking through the part of that journey that is forming you, that's shaping you, that's transforming you to be able to fulfill that dream. Joseph, when God gave Joseph the dream and said, you're going to be a ruler, he wasn't ready to be a ruler. He would have been the worst ruler ever. But God took him through circumstances in his life, and he turned the impossible into a reality. God is doing that in your life. But let God have a perfect work in your day-to-day -day life, and you will see the impossible become reality. Moses was called by God, then had to go out into the wilderness and be retrained for 40 years just to be able to come back and fulfill his destiny. See, time doesn't really mean that much with God. Sometimes we, we have our dreams and our ambitions, and God gives us this challenge. He says, I want you to go do this, and, and, and you're willing, and you're, and you're ready, but, but circumstances... Man, I don't know why I keep coming back to this, but if this is speaking to you, please, please listen because it may be that you're in a situation right now that, that you don't see how God is going to work it out. But can I encourage you to keep doing what you are asked to do of the Lord and allow the Lord to do the heavy lifting. Do your part and he will do his. Chuck Swindoll said alleged impossibilities are opportunities for our, our, our capacities to be stretched. See, I, I believe that, that God uses impossible situations in our life to stretch our faith in Him. I know that, you know, when you're, when you're younger, especially with guys, you want to you build muscle, you want to be strong, and, you know, and, and, and walk around flexing all the time, you know, and so when your wife says, hey, would you get that? Well, yeah, I'll get it, you know. The older I get, I, I just want to be flexible, I, I just... I just want to be able to stand and not fall over. And the great thing about when God stretches us, it builds our spiritual balance. That we're able to, to be able to, to navigate and stand in life. See, the Hebrew children had to go through the fire to know that God was a deliverer. He stretched them. God, Abraham was stretched to trust God as a provider, and God came through. Can I ask you today, what is God stretching in your life? Is there something in your life that, that, that he's stretching you on? Allow God to be God. Allow that flexibility in your life to be formed that you will keep your spiritual balance in all things. 
Here's something else that, that, that you need to have if you're going to follow the Lord, if you're going to follow this positive side of impossibility, and this is a passion for God. You can't just have a passion for God's Word. You have to have a passion for God. Jean de Lou Fontaine, the, the French poet, said, Man is so made that when anything fires his soul, impossibilities vanish. The passion that we possess in our heart is the key to commitment. See, pa passion turns the average player into a great player. You ever, you ever watch a, a basketball game or a football game or, a, or any type of game and, and you see this, this average athlete that rises to this level and they say he's playing beyond his level and you wonder how can he do that? It's because the passion and desire in his heart to win is so strong that at that moment nothing seems to be impossible. Passion turns the average believer into a spiritual dynamo. It's passion. Passion for God. Passion to see God's work. Passion to see God working in your life. Passion to see God growing your church. Passion to see souls saved. Passion gives desire and maintains commitment in our life. As David stood before the armies of God and looked at the Philistines and he saw Goliath standing there, so ominous and so great an obstacle, he looked at him and says, is there not a cause? David wasn't just mental. He was passionate about serving God. And it was that passion. He said, God has delivered a lion into my hands and God has delivered a bear into my hands and certainly he's going to deliver this uncircumcised Philistine. It was passion. Is there a reason for God to change lives? Is there a reason? Is there not a cause to see, to see God turn Orlando right side up for him? That passion in our heart. What impossibility do you have passion for to see God change to reality? What's driving you? What's burning on the inside to see God change? I, I, I have talked with, with some and, and in our meetings they, they've said, you know, I really am being driven to, to see God do some miraculous things. I, and they were talking about healings and, and things like that. And, and I believe that. And I, but, you know, in our, in our conversations, we have, we have talked and agreed that it can't just be here. It has to be here. It has to be a, a driving force in us that, that and it has to be a right force that we want to see God's people blessed so he may be glorified. So I want to talk to you just, just briefly and then and then we are going to close. I want to talk to you about three things. Three. Pick three. Uh, three things that, that I believe can answer, can help us, that can solidify and make the impossible a reality. And it's found in Hebrews 11. And, and in particular, I want you to look at the, the life of, of Enoch. Hebrews 9.27 says that Enoch did not see death. He cheated death. He, he, he didn't. The Bible says in, in, in Hebrews 9.27, it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. But Enoch didn't die. 
Think about that. God took him. I mean, talking about an impossibility becoming a reality. So what are some things that, that Enoch had if, if you look at the scripture? It says, number one is faith, faith in God. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Notice they weren't commended for their lifestyle. They weren't commended for how much scripture they could, they could quote. They weren't commended for how many times they went uh, to the temple. They weren't commended for how many people that they had blessed or helped. And those are all great things and wonderful things. But what they were really commended for was not their lifestyle, was not anything else but faith. Faith in God. Because if you have faith in God, all the other areas of your life will come into balance. Faith in God. They were commended because faith by faith Enoch was translated Enoch didn't do the translating God did the translating Enoch just had faith in God it wasn't in in Enoch's ability to translate himself but it was in the ability that that God had and Enoch trusted God Enoch had a big view of God and God's abilities his 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 view of God was Huge, was amazing, was overwhelming. So yet, what is faith? What is faith? And if we have to have faith in God, the, 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 the Greek word, uh, the, the basic word is hypostasis. And stasis just simply means it's the standing on which other stones are laid. It's, but hypo means underneath. So what faith really is, it's the groundwork, it's the bedrock upon which everything is built. Everything is built without the faith, without the foundation. Without faith, nothing works. Faith is the concrete certainty of our hope based on reality and solid existence. That faith, you can't have faith if you do not believe God knows what he is talking about. Faith. Number one is faith. You have to have faith. You have to believe that God is and that he rewards those that diligently seek him. The second thing that, that we need to do, have, is attitude. Attitude, proper attitude is a choice. Have you ever noticed that sometimes having the proper attitude is a harder choice to have than other times? I'm, I'll, I'll have a confession to make. I, I was struggling with a bad attitude this week. I don't even know why. I just woke up with it. And there it was. And, and I had to wrestle with it. And I was arguing. You ever argue with yourself? Am I the only one that argues with myself? It says, you know, you really shouldn't be in this bad mood. But the bad mood was talking about back to me. And what are you going to do about it? You know? And so I, have, you know, I had to walk through in my mind, in my heart, this, this attitude that, that I had. And I don't even know where it came from. But, but when I started praying and I started asking God it, it, it went away but it was a choice that I had to make I could have allowed it to stay but chose to think on those things which are good and pleasant and sometimes sometimes it's we just have to choose see because a proper attitude a proper attitude is the difference between optimism 
and opining, blessing and being oppressed, confident or confused, or potential versus problems. Proper attitude determines how high we climb, how far we run, how large we grow, how many people we reach. Attitude, proper attitude. Proper attitude is a learned process. I can do all things through Christ. Is in is when Paul realized that through his relationship with God, the proper attitude is I I I learned I learned it I I I I've experienced life and now I've under I understand that proper attitude is learned. And the third thing that I want to go through briefly is. You have to have a relationship with God. Not only faith in God, not only the proper attitude toward God, but a relationship with God. The Bible says that Enoch pleased God. He pleased him. How do we please God? By serving him and being obedient to his voice. We have to understand that the whole, the whole reason why Christ came anyway is to have a relationship with us. It's not to say, hey, I'm the great Savior of the world, because he is the great Savior of the world. He wasn't doing it to receive accolades, even though he deserves all the accolades of the world. He did it because God so loved the world. God so loved you. God so loved me that he was willing to come. And the reason why he came is because he wanted that close, intimate relationship with you and I. I want you to think about that for a moment. That the creator of the heavens and the earth wants to communicate with you on a daily basis. Sometimes, you, you know, I've been around people that, that throw names around. They say, well, I've been around with this person or with that person. And it's making them superior, you know, because they, they know this person or they know that person. But the reality is, you know the creator of the heavens and the earth. And not only do you know the creator of the heavens and the earth, but he desires to walk with you, to talk with you every single day. In my mind, in my opinion, that's the most prestigious relationship you could ever have. Enoch pleased God. Enoch pleased God by keeping his commandments, by having a relationship with him. And here's the truth. We talked about faith and attitude. Faith and attitude are formed, are transformed, are developed in relationship with God. So faith, attitude, and relationship with God But of the three, it's the relationship that develops the attitude and it's the relationship that develops the faith. Can I encourage you today? Walk with God and allow the impossible to become the reality. I'm going to ask our our praise team to come back. If they would. I want to bring your mind to the disciples in a boat. On the Sea of Galilee. Jesus has told them, hey, get in the boat, go to the other side, I'll meet you over there. I'll send the people away, I'll go. 
So Jesus did that. Disciples are in, in the boat. There's a giant storm. You know, sometimes we think those boats were big. They weren't that big. And those waves were much bigger. They, the scripture says that they were toiling in rowing. Simply <coughs> stated, they weren't making any progress. They were tired. The rain's beating down on them. The wind is whistling around them. The waves are high. They're trying to get to the other shore. There's some uncertainty around. Then they see this figure walking on the top of the water. They're in this impossible situation and they, they see this figure walking on top of the water. The Bible says they were afraid. They were terrified. And, and, and Jesus called out to them and says, hey, don't be afraid. It's just me. See, that's what Jesus wants to do in our impossible situations. He's calling out to us and saying, hey, don't be afraid. I'm here. The Bible says that Jesus is going to pass them by because, and the reason why I think Jesus is going to pass them by because he knew that they would make the other side. See, there's that faith in God. Whatever we're facing, whatever we're going through, God knows. And God knows you're going to reach the other side. But here they are, and they were fearful, and Jesus perceived that they were fearful, and he said, don't worry, it's just me. And here's Peter. I, I, I love Peter because Peter is my antithesis. He, he is the complete polar opposite of, of who I am. I, I'm probably more like John, you know, the, you know, just more kind. Here's Peter. He's, he's blunt and rude and speaks too fast and puts his foot in his mouth. And, yeah. But here's Peter, the very first one. It says, Lord, if it's you... Let me get out of this boat and walk on the water. And Jesus said, come on. You want to do the impossible? Come on. Peter throws his hairy legs over the side and starts walking on water. Doing the impossible because the Lord said, come on. And it wasn't until he got his eyes off the Lord that he began to sink. If he had kept his eyes on the Lord, he'd have probably walked all the way across the lake with Jesus. Can you imagine? Here's Peter and here's Jesus. See you guys later. Catch you on the other side. And they're walking across. I don't know what your situation is and I don't know what your boat and I, but I do know that life has a way of bringing the wind and the waves and crashing around you. And sometimes it can be terrifying. But I want to encourage you that Jesus is always there with us. And he never leaves us nor forsakes us. David said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. If you want to do the impossible, if you want to see the impossible become a reality, if you want to walk on the circumstances that life is throwing at you put your eyes on the Lord allow him to be God take that step of faith and say God I don't I can't control these winds and I, I can't control the waves I, I can't control this storm around me but I do know that you can and, and if you say come and walk on water I am going to walk on this water with you
allow God to be God in your life. Will you do that? Would you stand with me today? As we approach this, this coming year, man, this is going to be an amazing year. In the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about things, talking about stretching faith, and we're going to see amazing things this coming year. I'll, and I just can't wait to share it with you over the next few weeks. You say, can you tell me now? No, I can't do that. That's called a cliffhanger. Uh, and we want to have that. But if I've heard from God correctly, this is going to be a great year. But can I speak to you just for a moment? Because this message hasn't gone the way I thought it would in my mind and my heart. It has shifted. I don't know what your situation is. But keep your eyes on Jesus. Nothing, nothing, nothing is impossible with God. Not one thing is impossible with God. If God is for us, who can be against us? 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. That he is the conqueror of all things. So that, that impossibility, that, that impossible situation that you jotted down either on paper or you have it in your mind, I want you to do something right now. I want you to hold it out for God. And as, as Peter, as Peter said, Lord, if that's really you, let me come out to you. Would you, would you just hold it out in your mind's eye? Would you, would you say, Lord, I know that you're in this. Give me victory over this and allow the Lord to speak to you. Will you do that right now, wherever, you, wherever you're at? Would you just ask the Lord to speak to you right now?